Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. All right, good morning. I think that's awesome. Thank you so much, Mary. I'm excited about those opportunities that are available to us. Dexter, could you have made a little less of a decline on this, like just in the future, just a little flatter? Just because look what happened. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with it. Anyway, uh, man, I was so encouraged by the Lord in worship today. Like, oh, let me tell you what I what I experienced of the Lord. Is that okay? I was able to like get an understanding in the spirit of how set up we are for success, for everything that is good, all the potential fulfillment of every single promise we have. Like I feel like he has so set us up already. Like like I just want to think about this with you. Maybe you can think about it with me. Like He's our firm foundation. Like, think, just think about the ground you're standing on right now. Like, has anybody ever thought about it? Like, when you walk in here, it's not shaky, right? Like, you know when you're standing on this, the only reason why you're going to fall is if you do something stupid. Hello? And that's the way the setup is through all of this that I'm talking about. Like, the way you mess up is if you do something dumb. Like, everything else is set up for our success. He's our firm foundation like, the Bible talks about how he's our rear guard, so we don't have to keep looking back. All right? So he's, he's behind us. He's keeping us from anything that might be trying to sneak up behind us. He's there. Give, give me something else. I got lots. I could keep going. But what's another thing that you know the Lord has already done for us that sets us up for absolute and complete success in life? Give me one. Give me a promise. He's already gone before us, and what is he doing when he's going before us? He's making a way. And it's not just anyone making a way. It's the Lord himself, the one who created all of this around us. He's already making a way for you. Something else. He orders your steps. So you can make all kinds of plans. That's what Proverbs says. But then it says, and then he'll order those steps on the way that he's already made for you. Someone else. The battle's already been won. Look, I, I got you, Adelie. I'm coming to you. Think about this. If you do have an enemy, he's already defeated. That's what the Bible says. If you think you have an enemy, he's already defeated. Whatever enemy you can conjure up in your really good imagination, because you all have one, already defeated. Like decimated, destroyed. No power or authority. The battle has already been won. Adelie. He holds it all together, including yourselves, including whatever might be coming your way, any circumstances, any other people that are at work in your life. He's holding it all together. Somebody else. He's a perfect parent. Like seriously, you have a dad who knows exactly what you need all the time. Even before you were made, let alone the life you're living in right now, you have a perfect parent, not an imperfect one who will hurt you and then apologize later, maybe. No, he is one that knows exactly what he's doing all the time with you. Somebody else. 
strong tower. So at any point in time where you feel afraid or you feel attacked, where you can run, the Bible says, into him like a strong tower and you'll be safe. Somebody else. Come on, I know you got promises. He is the Alpha and Omega. What does that mean? Okay, for all of you that don't know Greek, he's the beginning. That's the first letter of the alphabet. And it's not Z in the Greek, it's Omega. That's the last letter in the alphabet. And if he holds all things together, that means he's in the middle with whatever B, C, D, and E is in Greek. He is all of that. He started it, and then he promises he will finish it. Whatever he has started, he is faithful to complete. Oh, how about the one that you heard earlier, that nothing can separate you from the love that he has for you. There is nothing. No matter, like, you think about any enemy you have, we already found out he's defeated, so that can't separate you. One of the greatest things that I've come to realize that cannot separate me from the love of God is my own mistakes, my own failures, my own weakness, my own stupidity cannot separate me from the love of God. In fact, many times I have found that my own idiocy has drawn me right into it. Like I've literally fall, and when I fall, I fall into the love of God. Anybody else ever found that? Like you think when you fall, you're going to fall into the correction or the anger or whatever, and I have fallen into the love of God over and over and over again. The Bible says that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Which means no matter how much you sin, there's more grace than that. That's what that means. That means as much as you can sin, try real hard, try real hard, there's more grace. And it's just going to pour out all over you to the point where you're just like, I just don't think I want to do this anymore. Has anybody ever gotten to that point with something that you're so sick of it? You're like, I just don't want to do this anymore. You actually get to that place. That was grace at work in your life. Anybody else? I know you got more. Okay, he's forgiven us. He has actually taken that which you have done wrong and separated it from you as far as the east is from the west. Can anybody measure that? So that means that there is so much forgiveness available that you cannot even be associated with your mistakes or your sin anymore. That's how forgiven we are. Holy crap! Just live in this reality because this is reality. Anything else we create is honestly just like you making a movie that's not real. That's what Hollywood does right now. They make movies for you that aren't real. That's exactly what goes on. The setup is real. You are set up for success. He's going before you, making a way for you. He's got your back covered. There's a firm foundation so you don't have to worry. It's already all there. I don't know. I, that brought such comfort to my heart as I was worshiping today because I realized, like, I have to try really, 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 really hard to fail. And so do you. Even your failures, he promises, he will work how many things together for your good? All things. All you have to do is turn your heart and say, oh, yeah, 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 I really messed it up, but here I am. I'm seeing it. It's all around me. Your goodness. Like, just think about that. Like, I could live in just the idea that this one who has set it all up for us is good. 
He's good. This is the message that we have for the whole world. And this message that we just talked about, this level of security that's available to humankind, it's available to all of humankind. Every single human being, child, adult, really mean person, or incredibly kind, loving person, they all have the same access to this incredible setup for success, victory, every other good thing. Hello? Yes. Is there a hand up? Go. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Sean, so now we can rest. That doesn't mean we're not active. It doesn't mean we're not doing things. But all of that rolling that goes on on the inside of us, all the anxiety, all of the fear, that can all go away because you know you've got this good father who set it all up for you. Relax. How many people like it when someone tells you to relax? When do they usually tell you to relax? When you're the opposite of relaxed, right? You're all worked up, like your, your veins are popping. Come on, anybody? I just need to know. Has anybody told you to relax recently? And the last thing you wanted to hear was that word, right? <laughs> Chris, she's got a lot of cooking utensils she can throw. Why would you do that? It's so true, though. But what he's saying is right. Rest in this good father. And that's the foundation for what I want to talk about today because uh, the year is manifest, measure, and multiply. I feel like we have an incredible opportunity to let the world see this God, this Father we just talked about. Incredible opportunity. And because there's so much security in him, because there's so much goodness and love in him, this is the best message for the world. Because in the world right now is the opposite of rest, is the opposite of goodness. There's all of these things to be afraid of, all of these things that could go wrong, all of these things that are against us. When you have a loving father, and you're convinced of this already, right? Wave at me if you're convinced of this good father. Yes, you are. And so you are the absolute best person to go out into the world because the sound out there is different. And the kingdom of this father, this realm of influence, this base of authority where it all starts is out there waiting for you to agree with it in the midst of sounds, feelings, influences that seem opposed to it. This world, those people that you're going to go touch tomorrow, that you're going to interact with tomorrow, need what you are convinced of. Amen? I hope you hear this. All right. So the word manifest. I'm going to, work, I'm going to use that word today. I'm going to define that word for you today. Uh, let's get the, the Webster's definition to start. So uh, manifest can be a verb, it can be a noun, and it can be an adjective. I'm going to use the verb form of the word manifest. And it actually means to make evident, to make evident, or certain by showing or displaying. You guys with me? So it's to take something that's some oftentimes hidden or oftentimes not seen and do this. What is that called when someone like a... Revealed, there's another good word. 
To manifest is to make something known, revealed, to make it evident. I like the word in the definition here, to make it certain. Like to make something that's just an idea or a thought or a maybe, and to manifest means, oh yeah, that's real. It reminds me of when Paul says, and I think someone quoted this last week, look, I didn't come to you with like, like persuasive words of wisdom. I think it was you in Bible study, right? But I came to you with a demonstration of the kingdom and of power. You guys hear that? Like, Paul was like, I just need to make sure that you guys know that what we're preaching about is real. He was making it manifest. And so my hope for all of us here today is that we make manifest this reality, this hope that we're all certain of in this room today. Like, it's not a treasure that we're supposed to, like, hold on the inside of us and just wait for heaven to come. Like, this is really meant to be shared with every single person in our lives. That's what it means to make it manifest. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this word, I'm going to help to define this word, I should say, with this question. And this question came out of a discussion I was having yesterday with somebody. This somebody is a younger man who uh, goes to another church in our area, and we had a discussion about uh, a certain decision that he was making, and I was noticing that the way he was making a decision was very different than the way I make decisions. And I realized that the reason why he was making the decisions the way he was was because of how he saw God. And it was different than the way I saw God. And so I took some time to explain to him, hey, I want you to tell you, the reason why I don't see things the same way you do is because I think we see God differently. Because how he was describing it, and I don't want to go into too much detail because some of you might live this way, so I want to be careful that I don't make you feel like I'm against you because I'm not. I just feel like my perception of God is like this, and I described it to him this way. I feel and experience God as a father. And back to what Diane said earlier, like a perfect father. Like if you could... Imagine the best absolute father. He's all that and so much more, more than you can ask, think, or imagine. That is the kind of father we have. And as a result of that, I know that this father loves me. Like, flat out loves me. Like, no earning required, no performance needed, no certain marks to check off, no chore list to finish so that he can be loving me more. Like this father already completely loves me perfectly, which causes that rest thing to really rise up on the inside of us. But for some of us, if there's any doers in this room, you're going to struggle with a father that loves you already without doing anything. You might not think you struggle with that because you're like, oh, finally, I don't have to do anything. Just wait till you try to rest. Has anybody tried to rest? <laughs> do you, you kind of hear the fact that trying to rest kind of defeats the purpose of resting? Like even in our rest, we have to try. Like it's almost like, it's almost like what, what am I doing here? But if you, because rest is a person. Peace is a person. And from him, his name is Jesus, by the way, he comes to give us this rest, it says. He comes to give us this peace. And from this place of peace and rest, I live. 
Are you guys with me so far? And so I was explaining to this guy, like, I live from that place. He was talking much more from the standpoint of God says something to me, and then I do it. And I'm not going to do anything different than what he told me to do. But if he doesn't tell me to do something, then I kind of feel like I just need to stay where I am. And so when I was talking to him about God, that God is a loving father, and sometimes dads or moms, parents in general, because I believe God the Father is both male and female. He's both nurturer as well as he is whatever you would call a father. Nurture is easy to say about a mother, but those things that you would attribute to fatherly characteristics, he's both. He's both a nurturer and he's like a look you in the eye and tell you what's up, father. The difference between those two, in my opinion, is that my father like really just loves to hang out with me. Like the idea of him being always with me isn't just because that's the kind of person, God, that he is. Like it's his nature. He's omnipresent. No, he actually likes being around you. He's not omnipresent and as a result of that he has to be around you because that's his nature. No, he actually, he chose to be omnipresent because he likes being around you all the time. So, this discussion brought us to this question. And we were sitting in my truck and we were talking about this. And I asked him this question. And I want to ask you all this question today. Do we have a God to obey or do we have a Father to be loved by? I'm just going to ask that question again and some of you might already have an answer. I would encourage you not to shout out an answer. Do we have a God to obey or do we have a Father to be loved by? Now, I'm going to put a big caveat in here. Right in here, right now. I'm sticking in here right now. When you are a younger child, when you are young and you can't make really good, healthy decisions for yourselves, the answer is yes to that question. Do we have a God to obey or a Father to be loved by? When you are young, when you don't know which way to go, when you're still trying to figure out life, the answer to the question is yes. There's no need to pose this question to a child. In fact, if you were to ask a child about you as a parent, let's say we were to interview like the Wong kids, because it's just easy, right? They're everywhere. You know, like the waters cover the sea, so are the Wong kids. But if you were to just pull any one kid up and ask them, do you have parents to obey or parents, or, or do you exist to be loved by them? They would just be like, what are you talking about? Right? Because they would say yes to that. They're like, yeah. Sometimes they tell me exactly what to do over and over and over and over and over again. But I also know that they absolutely love me. Like for them, it's the same. But as you get more mature, and also all of us in this room have gotten more mature. Because I'm pretty sure everyone in this room is not calling up mom and dad every single moment when you need to make a decision. Hello? I'm hoping you're not, because that would be the sign of bad parenting. <laughs> the sign of good parenting is, I think I know what I need to do. So, the question becomes important, this question of do we have a God to obey or we have a father to be loved by. This question becomes pertinent, important, I think necessary as we mature. And the voice of God, and I want to say this because God is always talking. Whether you're a little kid or whether you're a full-grown 
fully functioning, mature adult. God is always talking. I believe, though, that what he says shifts as we mature. I'm, going to, I'm speaking from my experience, and it's very possible that this, someone else might have a different experience, but I have the microphone today. So I get to share with you what I've experienced of my father. And I remember, I've been walking as a Christian now for 33-ish years, and I'm not saying I'm experienced yet, but what I have experienced thus far of the Lord is when I was young, the Lord was telling me what to do. Why? Because I didn't know. And that's really important. If someone is constantly telling you what to do, it's a sign that either they don't trust you or you don't know what to do. I'm going to wave that. I, I just want you to hear that again. If you are constantly hearing what you're supposed to do, the voice behind, sorry, the person behind the voice either doesn't trust you or sees you as someone that doesn't know what to do. How are we doing? Okay, so far so good. So, I want to just look at this from the two perspectives. A God we obey or a Father we are to be loved by. I want to show you what happens in both of these scenarios. If he is a God we obey, and again, I'm not talking about little kids. I'm not talking about ones who are just learning what it means to be a child of God. I'm talking about, I would say, the most of us in this room who have been walking with the Lord for some period of time. A God we obey commands and expects reciprocating action. A God we obey commands. He tells you what you're supposed to do, and then he expects you to do it. Am I good so far? Okay. So obedience, then, is hearing someone tell you what to do, and then you go, boom, and you turn, and you go and do what was told to you to do. And I want to tell you, I've needed that in my life. In fact, there's even places in my life right now where I'm still a little child because it's a new area for me. And you will all have this. You will know, if you get mature, you will know that there's specific areas of your life that are full-grown, mature adult. And there's other areas of your life, if you're progressing and if you're trying new things, there's always some area of your life where you're a little kid. And you need God to tell you exactly what to do. I think it's a place where we can kind of remind ourselves, whoo, I need to be humble. <laughs> a God we obey, though, is commanding us and then expects reciprocating action. Now, here's the key. Just because you obey doesn't necessarily mean that the inside of you is agreeing with that person. Okay? In fact, oftentimes, a master requires obedience because the master knows that the desire on the inside of the person that he's commanding is not in line with the command. Did you understand what I just said there? Okay, so that's a good example. Jonah and Nineveh. Jonah, I know you don't want the Ninevites to be saved and to be redeemed, but I want you to go anyway. That's a perfect example of obedience and a command. And that's why you will oftentimes watch a parent, maybe you as a parent, have to tell your kid what to do because you know if you don't tell them what to do, they won't do it. Hello? 
I submit to you that that is a sign of, uh, is there a word, unhealth? I guess disease. That's a sign of disease when it requires obedience, it requires, sorry, it requires a command for you to do something because it demands that you don't know what to do or you don't want to do what needs to be done. Are you with me so far? This is really important. I hope you get this. I might not be saying it really clearly. I'm not the world's best communicator. But again, like I said, I got the microphone. So as a result of an obedience mindset, God being someone who commands and then expects you to obey, it doesn't necessarily produce holy nature, but it does produce holy behavior. So if you're someone who obeys really well, from the outside, it'll look like you holy. And a lot of us Christians have grown up this way in a mindset of God's telling me what to do or the Bible tells me what to do and because the Bible tells me to do it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to turn. But it doesn't necessarily change what's going on inside. And so what you have is this ongoing conflict on the inside of yourself. This thing of I know the right thing to do but I really struggle to do it. Hello? I believe this is the result of seeing God as a God to obey. So as long as I do what he tells me to do, he's going to be okay with me. I submit to you, that's not the God we worship. Because this God that we worship is less concerned about your behavior than you are. Oh, that hurt even as I said it, but I know it's true. My father is less concerned about your behavior than you are. He is much more concerned about what's going on inside of you, in your heart. Obedience to God gives the appearance of holy nature, and it tricks us into thinking we're holy. Has anybody ever found, like, maybe there's an area of your life where you struggle, or there's an area of your life where you just know that it's, it's just not a good place for me, and for a while you're doing really well in it, and you think... Because you're not doing something you used to do, you're good. And anybody ever just trip and fall down that hole again? And as soon as you trip and fall down that hole again, you feel like a failure. I say to you, your father doesn't see you that way. Because you're measuring who you are by whether or not you did something good or not. Your value, I feel like I'm repeating some things we have repeated for the last 12 years here, but I feel it's really important. Your value is not based upon your behavior. If it were, then you have a God to obey. And I don't believe you have that. I believe my father is such a perfect father that your value is based on something way more important. Let me just finish this. If you have a God we obey, then... Okay, yeah, if we have a God that we obey, I have to read my own notes here. I don't really think it's ever been about our actions that determines holiness. You know the scripture where it says, be holy. Finish it. For I am holy. And I looked it up in the original language. It does not say, do holy. Hello? Be. Be holy as I am holy. And here's the great thing about that. If you actually read that in the context of the whole thing, you'll realize it's less of a command and it's more of a, do you know who you are? 
This is so important because we read Scripture and we think, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. How many people have heard that verse before? Actually, what that Scripture actually says is, if you love me, you'll be able to keep my commandments. Do you hear that? Like it's turn your heart and your lifestyle will change. Same with be holy for as I am holy. Look at me, realize we look alike. We're a lot more similar than you think you are. Why? Why do you disagree with that? Because my behavior does not align with what I'm looking at. I don't look at you that way. My father, your father, our father, does not look at your behavior and determine your worth, your value. Oh my goodness, performance has so wrought punishment and undue reputation upon you. Has nothing to do with how he loves you. And I will tell you, a God we obey, it's kind of like, man, I obeyed this week, but last week I sucked. You know, that's kind of how it does for you. You almost measure your value, your performance based upon how well you did. I do it. I know you all do it. If we're all human, I think we can all agree that we've done this and we're doing it maybe even now. And it sets us up for disappointment in our life. Anytime there is an expectation, if you've ever read The Shack, one of the greatest revelations I ever got from Paul Young about the, about the Lord is, wherever there is expectation, there is corresponding disappointment. And having a God that is always telling you what to do is setting you up to disappoint him. Because you cannot obey God all the time. It is absolutely impossible for a human being to obey God. It's impossible. I want to say it again. It is impossible for you in your own strength to do anything God wants you to do. It is absolutely important that we understand that. But as a result of seeing God as someone who's just like, he communicates with me to tell me what to do so I don't screw up, so that I live a good life, so that he's happy with me, you are setting yourself up to have a God who's disappointed in you. How we doing? We okay? Wayne. Hold on. I want you to say that again. I want you to say the microphone. Does an unhealthy view of the sovereignty of God lead us to have an opinion that he's a God to obey? Define sovereignty. That God is sovereign. He has a plan, and we work hard to get us ourselves into that plan. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you hear that? Because we think that God is in control and he's already got a plan already worked out and whether or not you align with that plan will often determine whether or not you feel worthy, you feel like you're doing well. I submit to you that the sovereignty of God is a little bit different than that. And I want to do this by saying that, Wayne, thank you for that question. Let's see if we can answer that in the next couple of minutes. So do we have a God to obey? We talked about what that looks like. Or do we have a father to be loved by? And of course, you guys all know that's how I see the father because I've already talked about this. I believe instead of him making commands and then waiting or expecting for corresponding action, I think I have and you have a father that loves, just loves, just like one love, one love. Oh, I, 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 I don't know what I'm doing. One love. 
I'm a real jerk. Yep, well, I love. Like, it's just the, the response from God all the time is, love, baby. It doesn't matter what you're saying, what you're doing, how you sound, the way you look, the way you smell. Love. Like, you are not a pretty person in the morning. Like, how many of you would like us to see you when you first open your eyes? Anybody? You know, the crusties are still there. You know, the, the hair's all on one side. Or some of it's this, or whatever it is. Look, and you know what? In that moment, what love. In fact, so much that I feel like the father's just like, oh, she's waking up. That's what he's like. Kendall is getting up. The world's about to get better. That's how he feels. So I believe we have a father who loves and then anticipates his nature. Not actions, not specific deeds. He simply waits, anticipating. He sends love, sends love, sends love. He literally is in your life to make sure that the first and foremost expression that you experience is love. And then he anticipates. Has anybody ever anticipated something? Yes, you have, because you're a kid and you remember Christmas. Huh, come on. Anticipation is never better pictured than like Christmas morning. Anybody? Oh, you're all acting like you're too old. I, I mean, to tell you, waking up on Christmas morning was just like, and here's the problem. Sometimes I actually knew where my parents hid the gifts. Am I the only, am I the only jerk kid? There was one year I knew everything I was getting, and it was the worst Christmas I ever had. The worst, because I had, I had zero anticipation. This is your father. He knows what's in there, yet he still has full anticipation of what's possible. All the time. Constantly, ongoingly, cannot wait for a little bit more of you discovering how incredible you are and manifesting it making it evident, making it clear, making it certain. He knows that that nature that's on the inside of you leads to holy action. He's not waiting for holy action to maybe produce good nature. He knows that that's not the way he designed us. He designed us to live from this incredibly loved place. And when you know you're loved and you know you're set up for victory, you're like, why would I want to go do those other things? It just makes no sense in this context of absolute incredible love. The nature that leads to holy action, this is manifestation. Like I want to talk about today, and I know it's already, oh, me. It's already 11.57, so I'm going to make this really quick. I absolutely am convinced that you are loved completely, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Like, there's not a part of you that is not being bathed in the absolute and complete love of the Father right now. And it's doing that for one purpose, that you would be so convinced of how loved you are that you do this. Because he knows what's inside. He put it there. He knows that he made you in his image. 
and in his likeness. He knows how you were made. I'm going to give you one scripture, and then we're going to finish. I just want, I'm, I'm just going to read it to you. You don't even have to put it up on the screen, because I didn't even give it to you anyway. Colossians chapter 1, you guys know this. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. There is a riches of glory, and it's a mystery. And it's not a mystery that can't be known. It's actually a mystery that needs to be made manifest. Here it is. Christ in you. And what is Christ in you? Hope of glory. There you go. There is such a hope of glory inside of us. Such a hope. Every one of you. Don't look around the room and think they got more hope of glory than I do. Because in that moment, you're flipping back to, I have a God who, to obey instead of a father to be loved by. The comparison thing goes away. The reason why you compare is because you ain't doing as good as somebody else is doing. Which just declares, I have a God to obey instead of a father who wants me. Do you guys hear it? Do you feel it? I want you to literally feel it like goosebumps on your skin that you have love radiating, like microwave radiation. You are poisoned forever with the love of this Father. You can't get away from it. There ain't no cure. Mm, I feel Pentecostal. Yeah, I love it. Look, human beings, we were designed to be loved by God. We were designed to be loved, period. We, we, uh, we flourish in the context of love. That's how we were designed. You were designed from love. The DNA inside of you is love. And when, you're ex when your physical, spiritual, soul being experiences love, you... But it's still, it's still an awareness thing. You still have to actually be aware of it. And there's the part. That's why I wanted to start today by saying how set up you are. Because if you're not aware of the setup, if you're not aware of the wall that's currently happening right now, like the microwave is always on. The oven is always on. It is at 350 and it is baking your inward parts right now. His love is an oven that is constantly anticipating the chocolate cake inside of you. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're actually taste and see. No, seriously, this is important. He shared his full nature and likeness with you. Jesus is like the, the, the commitment of that. He did it back in Genesis, but he showed you in the flesh in Jesus. I have fully put myself in you. You are set up. Taste and see that the Lord is good in that man, in that woman. That's to manifest. Identity is best discovered, practiced, and manifested in a context of love. Parents, remember this. The absolute best way to bring forth the best kids on the planet is to make sure they first absolutely am convinced that nothing can separate them from your love. 
Mm, nothing, 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 nothing. I don't care how they act. I don't care how they talk to you. They are absolutely loved by you no matter what. And then they'll have a healthy view of God the same way. But as soon as you start rewarding them for good behavior and punishing them for bad behavior, you are training them to see God the same way. And he's a father who loves when they are jerks and when they are angels. Oh, well, Mark, then what do we do? We can talk about that. But here's one thing I will tell you to do. When they are acting like the jerk and not the angel, they need to be reminded that they are. Angel is, by the way, quote, you're way better than angels. As soon as they manifest the jerk, you remind them of the nature on the inside of them. Remind them, whoa, 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 whoa. I know who you are, Adelie. You might look like you're not very happy right now, but I know you, you so happy. You are so happy. Look, she's laughing. Did you see that? She was not smiling or laughing 10 seconds ago. But as soon as I told her she was happy, she started laughing. Guys, this works. My father, every time he sees me act outside of how he originally designed me, he draws close. Whoa, big revelation. When you act outside of the nature God gave you, he does not step back. Oh, I just need to get away from that because that ain't like me. He draws near. He gets close. When your child acts out, acts like the jerk over here, you know what they're saying? I need more mommy-daddy time. I need more father time. Oh, I am way out of, I'm out of balance. I'm out of whack. I forgot how incredibly set up I am for everything perfect for me. Father, come close. You guys hear this? This is the best message. We were designed to express what or who most influences our soul. That's how you were designed. So the more time you spend in the light, that is really burning my eyes right now, but I'm going to look at it because I know how good it is for me to stand in his light and receive, like be aware and intentionally receive the baking of love because there's so much good yeast on the inside of me that needs to expand. And that oven is the oven that brings it forth. Now I can see nothing on that screen. <laughs> but maybe that's a good thing, you know? Obedience will never produce the glory. Obedience will never produce the glory that's inside of us, ever. It'll produce some good things. It'll produce some good organizations. It will create some great meetings. We'll do some really good things. But if, the, if we want the glory of the Lord to cover the earth like the waters cover the seas, that hope is inside of us, and it only comes forth through love. The love of the Father is the oven by which, the context by which, we manifest everything inside. I want to be part of you, part of a people, like almost simply because we breathe. You know how you can just breathe without thinking about it? I want to get to the point where we so manifest, make known, make certain that when people are around us, they're experiencing Jesus, and we're not even trying. 
We're not even trying to tell them, you know, a scripture. We're not even trying to, like, intentionally look them in the eye and tell them who they are. Simply by you just being on the scene, people experience the oven of his love. You just exist. You just walk into that classroom, Amber. You just show up into the ministry circle tomorrow, and you just be there. And someone walks in, and they're like, I don't know what is going on in this room right now, but in the Spirit, you're intentionally aware of how incredible God is, and as a result, how incredible you are. Like, you can't help it. And there's so much humility available in still knowing how incredible you are. Because it's in the light of his love. In the light of his love, you can never be proud. You can't be proud. Try to be proud and realize that the only reason why you even exist is because he loves you. <laughs> as soon as you realize that the goodness of God is why I still breathe, there's air available every time I go, it's the Father that loves us that made it available. Man, when you start becoming that aware of the context of love that's all around you, people will just naturally experience that same love. I pray for that level of manifestation to happen through us. So, I speak a blessing over you today. That's what I want to do. I speak a blessing over you today that this simple revelation that you have a father to be loved by, that's the God you have. That's the creator you have. And he made everything outside the doors of this building for you. It's all for you. It's a complete and total setup for you to succeed and for other people to realize that they're loved just like you are. That's what's right outside this door. And I bless you to be ongoingly aware of this love and the opportunities that await you out there. May you manifest everything that's on the inside of you from this place of resting in the love that the Father already has for you. May you spend the rest of your life, starting this week, realizing how much you're loved. Just that. Just that alone. And let the fruit of your life manifest that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go, we got another birthday this week. Hey, Billy. Are you going to be a year older this week? Yeah. yeah? Can we sing happy birthday to you? Well, yeah. We have another birthday, too. We have another birthday, too. Who would that be? Brenda. Brenda and Billy. What? Amber this week? Oh, my goodness. Anybody else while we're doing this? All right, Amanda, could you lead us in happy birthday? Please, 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 please. Because you can sing and I can't. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Billy and Brenda and Amber. Happy birthday to you. We love you all. Have a great week. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.